Blog Talk Radio. What up, what up, what up, college football fans, and welcome to another edition of Quick Slants brought to you by War Room Sports on the War Room Sports Podcast Network. This is the show where we give you nothing but in-depth college football analysis. I'm one of your hosts, but hey, I'm just the point guard on this shit, man. I am the Ali Ooper. I am the pick and roller. I am the roller. <laughs> Man, you know what it is. I'm the John Stockton. I'm the, the the Chris Paul. I'm the Gary Payton of this operation. But we got the star of the show in the building. We got the Carl Malone who's getting the buckets. We got the Blake Griffin who's stuffing those alley-oops. We got the Rain Man, Sean Kemp, in the building. We got my brother, my homie, Fred Perdue. What up, Fred? What's going on, man? After a wild week of college football, where we got some, we got some blunders. I mean, what's going on with these refs? I'm, Yo, I'm hurt, dog. The refs, the timekeepers, everybody out there has been tripping. And, and how you like, you know, my open to the show. This is a college football show, and all my analogies were from the world. All the college basketball. football people just went away. They just said, "Oh, this is the NBA." Hold on, what, 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 what are we doing here? They're like, "Wrong show. This is the NBA here." Y'all know what it is. This is Quick Slants. We're here to talk some college football. And we're going to get right into this because, like Fred said, man, there have been, there were some blunders this past week, particularly in one conference that um, pretty much helped decide a couple of games. So let's get into the first one. Um, We had some clock errors um, in the UNC uh, Wake Forest game as well as the Florida State uh, game versus Virginia. So let's talk about the first one, man. UNC, Wake Forest, uh, North Carolina should have had one more second um, to play in that loss to Wake Forest. The ACC basically admitted in a statement on Saturday um, revealing that the replay official failed to review the final play of of the Heels' 24-18 loss. Um that review should have ended with one second being put back on the clock, which would have given UNC one more shot from the Wake Forest 43-yard line. So there's no telling, Fred, whether or not they would have actually won the game. But, hey, everybody wants to exhaust every second they have available to them, you know, and play in these games. So what are your thoughts on this blunder that the ACC admitted they admitted to? Man. When I saw when I initially saw this game on the radar, it wasn't it was like a blip, you know. You see ACC football on a Friday night. It's Wake Forest, it's UNC. I'm, I'm still salty about UNC beating my cane, so you know I wasn't really giving a lot of attention to this game. But you know when you see controversy happen and you see a close game at the end, you always kind of tune in just to kind of see what's going on. You know, especially right. when there's a, t- a team in your division, you just to see them lose, that's always great. So, uh, shout out to Wake Forest. Good job. But uh, it, when you see these blunders, and it's not like they, North Carolina was going to be able to – there's no guarantee they're going to win this game. But when you take set precious seconds off the clock, I mean, I've seen so many crazy things happen in college <clears throat> football. Hail Marys, uh just we're going to keep flipping it around until somebody finds finds a, a running lane and they just somehow score and then the, the crowd rushes the field. I've seen so many crazy things that why, – why deny me of that? 
I mean, those are the most, those are the best plays you ever see in college football are the crazy trick plays, last second desperation plays. And Mac Brown was livid, you know, and when you do this, uh, I mean, for me, what I've always said is why not get the call right? You know, we we can, we'll challenge everything else. We'll challenge pass interference. We'll challenge everything. And and I've been on the other side of this thing where there either there's time or there's a bad call and you just say, get it right, ref. How many times do we have to get this thing wrong and then admit about, admit it after the fact? Yeah, a um, little bit crazy, but I'd be remiss every time we bring up uh, UNC football. I definitely have to give a shout out to freshman offensive lineman Asim Richards, number seventy-two. Um, friend of the family. Well, I'm actually a friend of his family. Um, shout out to him. Good to see him, you know, doing his thing and living his dream. Um, we had another clock error in the ACC in the uh, FSU Seminoles versus Virginia. Um, in this situation, uh, FSU was basically knocking on the door with a chance to tie or win the game after a first down catch by Keyshawn Helton. At that mm-hmm. point, the clock should have been stopped with seven seconds left to spot the ball and reset the chains. Instead, the clock continued to run down. FSU didn't get their chance. They lose the game. What are your thoughts on this one? The most basic call in college football is simply this, and this is what this is what separates the college game from the NFL game. Uh, right. Whenever there's a first down, the clock stops. It's essentially a, a, a half a timeout. If you know how, if your team is very good at clock management, you have a chance to be in every game. A two minute two minute drill is is an eternity. So it's Florida much State's easier drive. in college than it is in the NFL. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. If, um, if the official help you out and do it the right way you know <laughs> right right uh the rule in college football is the clock stops on first down and it doesn't start until it's ready for play um if you watch the clock it does not stop until three full seconds after the fo- after the first down uh and florida state did not have the clock and it, it, instead of uh being able to run it they lose the game because of it and it's very unfortunate uh anytime i see the, those people those those um those native americans up there and um in Tallahassee lose. It's a great day, but I don't want to see them lose like that. I don't want to see my rival lose like that. And, you know, Florida State has been in a lot of crazy games at the end. You would think at some point you want to be – don't leave it in the hands of a kicker, whether it's yours or the opposing teams, the clock, the other team, the ref, the fans. You don't want to leave it in anybody's, you know – you don't want to leave that up, up to anybody. So uh, this one is kind of on them, but it, I can't really be up too upset. Seven seconds is an eternity in college football because we can just you can throw a simple out route. Little you can get another first. You can literally get another first down in the time. Uh, and you may run out of time there, but if you have a timeout in your back pocket, there's so much that can be done with seven seconds. And you know it's unfortunate. It's so unfortunate. Uh, but yet another. How how do you get this, after Friday? How do you get this wrong? You got it right. wrong the day before. This happened the, the next right. day. The next day, and yeah, Florida State has a long history of letting non-football players decide their games, their big games, and um, I'm I'm counting kickers as non-football players. Long history. <laughs> 
Um, and, and this time it was the ref, the timekeeper, everything. It, it's just crazy, man. Two days in a row, same conference. Somebody has to get something together at this point. All right. So those are your officiating. Well, no, we still have more. Yeah, uh, one more. Yeah, one more. uh, The Arizona State situation where the player was never flagged for leaping on the field goal. So what happened there? Yeah, when you in all across all worlds of football, you can't use the the lineman in front of you to catapult right. yourself. And leap frogs uh, can't as, jump as on a, top of them. Yeah, you can't do that. Unfortunately for me, um, I, I kind of wanted Michigan State to win this one. I had a, li- a nice little bet on that one. Uh, you know that whole my bookie thing. You know we, we'll talk about that later. We might talk about that later at some point. But you know I had Michigan State. You know I'm thinking, man, they have offered through all of this. You know, they have a chance to, to win this game. Uh, they attempt – their first one was nullified due to a penalty for having 12 men on the field. How do you have – at any point in, in this game, once you get to the college game, how do you have 12 men on the field? On the most important moment of the game, you, you, you kill yourself with a penalty. But then you, the refs – every ref, for whatever reason to me, refs – just look, it seems like they look the other way. And this is one of those egregious moments where this is in the rule book. I've seen this thing flagged how many times, countless times, and they just let it go. Um, and there's no guarantee because kickers are head cases. And you just, to ask a kicker to go for a third time to do this, that, I mean, there's no guarantee, but at least you give them the fair chance. And uh, the Pac 12, they actually released, um, they 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 released something about this too. There uh, there should be should have been a foul called for leaping. An Arizona State defensive player took a running start and leapt over leapt over the kicking team's line in an attempt to block the kick. In the process, he leapt into the frame of a, of the body of a of an opponent, and the penalty should have been 15 yards. So that's huge. That is huge. A 15 yard penalty uh, from the previous spot and an automatic first down. They would have had a ch- uh, they would have pretty much had an untimed down. They should have kicked the field goal. But again, this is college football where the refs look the other way. So, no doubt. All right. So, um, Alabama, of course, uh, the wins are still piling up for them as they move to three and zero overall. However, the injuries are also piling up. Most notably, defensive end LeBron Ray out with a foot injury. Yeah, Alabama is being ravaged by injuries, whether it's LeBron Ray, star linebacker Dylan Moses, who tore his ACL like a week before the season. Uh, they already had a, they already had a, an injury already at linebacker. So they, they're already starting two freshman middle linebackers in that 3-4. And now to add to this, LeBron Ray on the defensive line. Thank God for Tua. What school do you know can just – they can just say, oh, we'll we'll have two, two five-star – players transfer on us right before the season starts. We'll also have two key pieces of the defense both get hurt and both more than likely be out for the remainder of the season. Uh, LeBron Ray, a defensive lineman, that's a key piece on the line. He's also hurt with a foot issue. Oh, we'll just replace him with five stars. That's cool. We're Alabama. That's, that's how you do it. They don't have the next man up mantra. They got the next beast up. Yeah, next pretty star much. Up, <laughs> next five star, next five star guy. But this is why you recruit in college football. Granted, these guys are were, that five star thing means nothing the second they start step on campus. But you know, it does probably put give you a little bit of peace of mind to know this this kid has at least the athletic talent to 
to step in, and if he's coachable, uh, you can surround him by veterans that are on the team. I hate saying veterans in college football. It feels weird saying it, but uh, you have vets in front of him and around him to mask some of his deficiencies, and the talent level will take over at some point. Right. It also helps to have Tua Tunga Viola on the other side, dropping like 40 points, five touchdowns, no problem. You know, we can just pin our ears back. That helps too. All right, well, let's go back down to Florida State. You know, we talked about them earlier with one of the officiating blunders that we spoke about. But is Willie Taggart feeling the heat or nah? A four-year-old Florida State fan. And that's crazy because, you know, if you're four, then you know your parents, somebody set, you know, set you up to do this. But a Florida, a four-year-old fan set up a lemonade stand on Sunday in hopes of raising enough money to fund a $17 million buyout of Willie Taggart. Well, this isn't just any parent of a Florida State, of a Florida State Seminole fan. Uh, uh, this, this kid, his dad, a Florida State graduate and a platinum chief uh, level donor, uh, Daniel Grant. So, you know, this is high-level giving here. You know, this there's ties that <laughs> which go means, deeper. <laughs> which means he's just going to come out to his son's stand, buy one cup, pay his son $17 million, and just get this done all by himself. <laughs> exactly. That's what he exactly. pretty much needs. Exactly. Uh, now, this is some expensive – this is some really expensive lemonade. They were charging 20 bucks per cup. What happened to 50 cents a cup of lemonade? What, uh, am I stuck in, like, 1935 or something? I mean, I've never heard of – I don't pay $20 at my local Chick-fil-A. I don't know. I'm right. just saying. But he did raise two hundred and forty-one dollars. Hey, I'm just I'm just putting it out there. Keep showing them how to be that good entrepreneur. I love it. I love it. I love it. If they'll pay for it, go ahead and sell it. Uh, he raised two hundred and forty-one dollars, and that was thanks to a one hundred dollar donation by a customer. Uh, the effort is good, uh, but you know this is this is very telling. Kids are we're already training our kids to say if I don't like my coach and he is really making some some bonehead decisions and things aren't going going great get him out of here so um this was it was very funny but to be in all seriousness florida state head coach willie taggart has been struggling since last year uh they came when he came in and took the job you thought okay he's had success at western kentucky he had success at usf he also had success at oregon well now he's gonna have florida state talent now versus those other schools and no disrespect to oregon but this is florida state there's a rich history here and they just came they've they've won a national title in recent history so you know when you see the talent you see what i see on the field the cam makers of the world the james blackman tamari and terry you have talent on this team but it just seems like uh you get rid of the offensive coordinator you get kendall Bryles, son of art Bryles. the offense is flowing but they just keep finding ways to just screw everything up and uh, i guess this young man he he's just had enough of it yeah, well, somebody tell this young man he's going to have to go back out there for a while because he's a, you know, he's about $16,999,759 short, but he'll get there, you know. You can do anything you set your mind to. Just make some good lemonade. Don't make no garbage to try to sell it for $20. Just to put it out there, uh, Daniel Grant, this, this this donor, he does donate between thirteen thousand and twenty four. 
$1,999 a year. So, I mean, he's dropping car notes, you know, he's dropping the whole mm-hmm. car sometimes, you know, but we're not going to put that out. I'm just putting it out there. I mean, that's a, that's a All right. All right. Well, let's stay in the state of Florida. Gators quarterback Felipe Franks <sighs> suffered a, a bad one, man. He dislocated and fractured his ankle. He, of course, is out for the season. What does this do for the Gators, man? Oh, I mean, man. It has uh, nothing for the Gators. What does it do to the Gators? Never look, never really hope for injuries, but, you know, I was watching this game, and I'm saying, man, Kentucky's in trouble. I mean, I'm sorry, Florida's in trouble. Uh, Kentucky was really controlling that game, and when Felipe, he, he seemed to step up in the pocket, and as the D-lineman came around the corner and he steps up, he gets bent backwards and you know when you see those type of injuries I'm thinking to myself oh his back's broken or something something's going on with his back I never thought to think that's his ankle and you know when they put him on a stretcher you could tell it was visibly his ankle at that point uh but you know they might not be in too bad of hands. Kyle Trask was a, a kid out of Texas who I – he wasn't heavily recruited, but I remember him back a few years ago when he was recruited. He uh, he was he had a big arm. He was a big kid. He's like 6'6", six, six, big arm. He was part of the McIlwain regime. So completely different system, completely different. It doesn't necessarily fit, but Felipe Franks didn't fit either. You know, the – from what I saw of this game, he looked comfortable in the pocket. He was making throws, and it wasn't like he was just some freshman. I mean, he's been in the he's been around for a while. He's a seasoned quarterback for a while. So, uh, looking forward to seeing what Kyle Trask can can do for these Gators. And the Gators defense didn't look the best, but they pulled out a win with Kyle Trask under center. So we'll see. Uh, Dan Mullen is a good is what we call a quarterback whisperer, so we'll definitely get to see what he can do with this young guy. Uh, what I was surprised to see is that Emory Jones, uh, the dual threat guy who uh, many Gator fans have been clamoring for, didn't get the nod. That's very telling to me, especially knowing the type of quarterback that Dan Mullen likes, whether it was Tebow, whether it was Nick Fitzgerald, or I know your favorite guy, Dak Prescott. You know, when you see, those are the type of quarterbacks that Dan Mullen tends to go with. Yet he's with he's got a pocket, a true pocket passer, a throwback, really a big six six big arm guy, not the dual threat spread option guy. Right. Well. It's about that time of the episode. It's time for the quick slants. Fred Purdue, Heisman Watch after three weeks. It's time for the Heisman Watch. (laughs) All right, so what's it looking like after three weeks? Man, uh... I can tell – well, we can start at the bottom of the barrel, the guy that kind of fell out of my Heisman uh, my Heisman ranking so far. And he was my pick for the Heisman, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Uh, usually I, I expected so much from him to start the season, especially after how he ended things uh, in the national championship against Alabama. Uh, 22 for 39, 395, three touchdowns, two picks. Not Everybody too bad. Them, Fred. I think they ground him. 
they they put him up there, and I, I expected more from him. Uh, but he didn't – with five interceptions in three games, that's a ton. Uh, he did have four carries for 42 yards, but it just doesn't seem like – and they're winning. Don't get me – don't get it uh, misconstrued. They're dominating teams. But the way he's – the way in which he's turning the ball over, it's really concerning. If they actually play a team that has some real – uh, some real help uh, at some point, maybe South Carolina late in the season, who knows, but this Clemson team, uh, if they actually find some adversity, will he be able to overcome it? I I expect more from my Heisman winner than I picked. I mean, I, I put my faith in you. Sir. Winning. Oh, man. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> All right. So who else you got? Okay, so now that we've gotten rid of the bad, uh, the guy that I really wasn't expecting to jump into this Heisman rating, uh, ranking, Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. The Ohio State transfer, he really wasn't comfortable last year, but now he is really – I saw him light up Texas, and I wasn't sure. I wasn't ready to just throw him up there because of one big game. But now he's he looks very comfortable. He was 21 of 24 for 373 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. He also had seven carries for 30 yards and a, and a touchdown against Northwestern State. I would go find that on a, on a map. Uh, but for me, when I look at him – his poise in the pocket, his ability to, to deliver strikes to his four really decent receivers. Uh, they don't really have a real opponent yet, but for me, when I, when I've circled that Alabama game as the measuring stick. So I got to wait a little bit to see if I'm ready to catapult him up to the, to the number one spot. But for now, Joe Burrow, number three. All right. <clears throat> At number two, I, at number two, Justin Fields. Yeah, I said it, Justin Fields. The Georgia transfer, really, really impressive. Uh, going up against Indiana, gave 14 of 24, 199 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, four carries, four 11 yards and a touchdown. Just handling business. He's been consistent. That's what you look for uh, early on. It doesn't necessarily have to be gaudy numbers, but he's thrown the ball with accuracy. He's been able – he takes off when he has to. He does his job. I know this isn't the NFL, but, you know, that mantra works regardless of what level of football you're uh, you're, you're in. I expect more, and I want to see – I want to continue to continue to see more, but they're basing this offense around him. Uh, he just – he's playing point guard, essentially. He's putting the ball in his, in his playmaker's hands, and uh, he's just doing a great job of it. And number one. At number one, uh, there, there. I really actually have two ones. There's a one A and a one B, so I'll go with one B. Jalen Hurts, quarterback, Oklahoma. It's weird saying that. It's still weird saying that Oklahoma. Uh, but 15 of 20, 289, three touchdowns, uh, 14 carries for 150 yards and a touchdown as well. Uh, he's been just killing people all all season long so far. Don't see much happening. Uh, much less happening. I mean, he just completely torched the UCLA team, which I expected them to do. Uh, Chip Kelly is three and twelve in the last few games, so um, in in the last year and, and a quarter, I don't see anything to tell me that he's not going to be any worse. So I want to see it against a real team, and that won't happen until Texas in a couple weeks. So we'll we'll I want to reserve a little bit, but for right now, he's putting up the numbers, and anytime you're putting up big gaudy numbers like that, you have to put him in the conversation uh but my number one de facto number one to a tongue of viola 
28 for 36, 444 yards, five touchdowns, a school record. Uh, you know, that is huge. That's a career high for him. And a game that they started off slow against against South Carolina. Uh, I, did, I expected them to kind of – uh, start out slow. South Carolina had a the last time Alabama faced off against South Carolina, he uh, he wasn't obviously there, but they kind of struggled and they actually lost that game. But really and truly, he's come he's improving, and that's what I wanted to see from Tua. Uh, will he take the checkdowns instead of just being um, so aggressive down the field? He's taking his checkdowns. He looks like the number one overall pick for next year. I know it's not NFL draft time, but he looks the part right now, and I'm. Very very interested to see how he'll be able to to really continue this this he is on the war path right now uh LSU will be his first real test against a real decent defense and if he can shred those guys oh oh I'd probably be willing to at least put one hand on the trophy as he as he goes on to New York at some point all right so um Sounds like that means somebody's going to go from Alabama to Miami, but you haven't heard that here. Ooh, um, <laughs> ouch. Ouch. You haven't heard that here. Um, they're doing a NBA-level, <laughs> 76ers, <laughs> Sam Hinkie-level tank job in Miami, so two of better get ready for the, for the nice weather. All right, let's get into our final segment, which is our college pick'em segment. Of course, for you guys and gals who out there who are in our college pick'em, keep plugging along. If you had a bad week or if you missed a week, remember we dropped the lowest score of your lowest week, so that can keep you in the contest. Winner of this college pick'em contest will get to co-host an episode of Quick Slants with Fred Purdue and myself. So get it in there because you'll get – 30 to 45 minutes to come on here and show your knowledge, talk as much crap as you want, and you know, however you feel like taking up your prize, you know, if it's trash talk or if it's showing the world that you you really got that that football knowledge, however you decide to carry it, we're here for you, but you got to win first. But this is the segment where Fred will give you some analysis on some of the bigger games of the week. He's not going to give you his picks, not going to tell you who to pick, but if you're out there and, you, and you're on the fence about something, you might be able to take some of the gems that he drops to help you make your pick. And unlike years past, we're not going to do every game. We're going to do some of the bigger games, which are the games that are harder for you guys to pick. So listen up. This is the time where you put everything down, except for your pencil and your pad. Take notes. Fred, let's start it off with... Number 11, Michigan, going to face the number 13, Wisconsin Badgers. Michigan. This oh, man. This might be a Michigan. doozy. This might be a Yeah, doozy. it might. This one <laughs> might get the, the hot seat a little bit hotter up in uh, Ann Arbor. Uh, Shea Patterson, quarterback, uh, he's – he has 410 yards and three touchdowns and, and in three games. But quite honestly, Michigan has not been uh, a great team so far. Uh, when I look at this team, I look at how they are not running the ball particularly well. The defense seems okay, 
but when I look at how this team has been, they've been in a, they've been in a tough one against Army in a double overtime, which I was rooting for that upset, and and Ann Arbor, I was rooting for that upset so bad, I, because the last time we seen it, it, it was an Appalachian State upset in that same stadium, uh, and whenever chaos happens, I look for it in college football. But then they get Middle Tennessee State, they handle those guys forty to twenty one. So Michigan, they're av- they're averaging. Like 230 yards on uh, through the air, 170 on the ground. You think, okay, they're fine, but it just seems there's something about this team that has a loss sticking to it, and they're allowing a ton of rushing yards on the ground, over 130 yards on the ground. Well, guess what? This this Wisconsin team has the best running back in the country in Jonathan Taylor, who has 35 carries, 237 yards, and five touchdowns already. Uh, he The only thing about him is he can be a bit of a fumble machine, so if you can punch that ball out, you might have a chance. Uh, but Wisconsin really just doing what they do best, run the football, play good defense. Uh, I expect a very good game, a heavy dose of Jonathan Taylor early and often. If you haven't had a chance to see him, he Jonathan Taylor is, is just everything you want in an NFL-style back, uh, over 2,000 yards yards last year uh also just shy of 2,000 yards his freshman year so he's on pace to really have a a ton of carries but he's a good player he's a really exciting player very patient good feet we all one of those guys that we just we love to watch all right let's go to number eight Auburn visiting number 17 Texas A&M this one's going to be interesting. This is a SEC West matchup. Uh, Bo Nix, the quarterback at Auburn, has really has really impressed me uh, in his time there as a freshman already. Uh, he's 545 yards, four touchdowns, and only two interceptions for a freshman. Those are good numbers in that in that wing T spread running game that they love at Auburn, uh, that inverted veer kind of thing they love to do. They want to run the football. They can establish the run. That is what we expect can that can help this team. Uh, the defense has, has really stepped up uh, last two weeks against Tulane as well as Kent State, uh, only allowing a combined 22 points. Very huge. Derek Brown and company, if they can control the line of scrimmage, uh, this this. This Texas A&M team is in trouble. Uh, Kellen Mond, I expected to be the quarterback at Texas A&M under Jimbo Fisher. I expected to be a lot better. Uh, he has three interceptions already. Uh, it's it's just not gr- a great atmosphere for him. Uh, Texas A- Texas A&M lost to a close one to Texas Clemson. They tried to do a bit of a comeback. It didn't really work out the way they thought. They rebounded 62 to three against Lamar. I mean, I expected that. So right now, they if they can have a chance, they're going to have to make their bones on the defensive side, only allowing 83 yards on the ground, 184 yards through the air. Auburn doesn't throw the ball particularly well. They run the ball well. Their numbers are a bit skewed because they're playing Auburn's playing Tulane and Kent State. You don't see you're going to see a lot of domination there. It kind of skews out of that skews out that Oregon game early in the year. This is going to be huge for SEC West standings. Uh, so this is the first game in their division match uh, matchup. So. I, I really don't know which which team I'm going to take in this one. This one's going to be one of those game time decision uh, picks I make. Um, who knows? I might have to just flip a coin on this one. All right. Let's go to number 22, Washington at 2-1 and one versus the unranked BYU 
Cougars also at two and one. BYU has a really, really good quarterback in Zach Wilson, uh, who started as a freshman last year in relief. Uh, he's really made some big plays. He hasn't. He's turning the ball over a bit with two interceptions, but uh, with a big win against Tennessee, uh, which was huge, and then a big win against USC. It, it kind of it, it makes me think. And granted, these were both overtime games. These this is a Herculean effort. I mean, you you've had the likes of you've had to face uh, Utah, Tennessee, and USC in the last um, three games. And I mean, they're giving up points in droves. I mean, they're averaging roughly about giving up about thirty points a game. So they're in shootouts every week. But if you have if you're able to put up the numbers that they're able to put up, two twenty five. Uh, they're they're able to actually they're rushing for 110 on the ground, 245 uh, through the air. Uh, not bad. That defense just has to get better, even marginally better. They can really they might have a chance in this one. Uh, Washington they have quarterback Jason, Jacob Eason, uh, the first casualty at Georgia before of the Jake Fromm show. He was the original quarterback there. He transferred after a year. Uh, he looks comfortable in this offense, but they haven't really played anyone yet. Uh, they lost a heartbreaker to Cal, 20 to 19. They can throw the ball really well. Uh, they're averaging about 265 yards a game. Uh, but again, and the defense is solid. Chris Peterson defense. What do you expect? They're going to be solid. Uh, I expect a lot of points in this game. Maybe whoever has the last possession wins. All right. Now this one I wasn't going to have you talk about, but. You know, this is a game that would have had, that used to have a lot of cachet this year. Not so much, but but it's still a a Pac-12 matchup. We're going to go with number 16, Oregon Ducks, versus Stanford Cardinal, who come into this one at one and two. Yeah, the Oregon Ducks. I mean, the jerseys are still sweet. I mean, uh, every time they drop it, drop something on IG, I have to go like it because man, it, th- those jerseys are they're just straight flames. But uh, this this matchup used to have a big time following, but now uh, the Chip Kelly days are over. Oregon doesn't seem like they're being they're not the up tempo, move very fast. They're not that team anymore. But uh, the, Stan- the Stanford team, they're not the same Stanford team I remember years ago. Uh, they play, they prided themselves on being a, a very stingy defense. Uh, they played old school, hit you in the mouth, smash mouth football. But they have a ton of injuries. Uh, K.J. Costello, their quarterback, uh, he's out. he was out uh, the last couple of weeks with a concussion. Also, Walker Little, their star left tackle, he's out for the season with a foot injury. So those are huge huge issues there uh UCF loss USC loss uh they the only win that you have is against Northwestern uh you're giving up 415 yards a game uh I mean you're giving up huge amounts of points they've lost both games these last two games uh they've given up 45 points a piece that is not the Stanford I remember on the other side uh Oregon Justin Herbert he he's the name that everyone keeps wanting to be that top QB prospect uh going into the NFL he decided to come back uh he has 11 touchdowns he has not thrown a pick yet he has, he's just shy of 1000 yards so he'll I think he'll be able to 
he if he can control the tempo of this game, and that's the one thing you have to do uh, with this Oregon team. They can just re- they can just continuously score points. Uh, they'll be fine. They are on the road, and anytime you go to the farm, it's not an easy game. Uh, but if when you have Justin Herbert and he's playing the way he's playing, he is on fire right now. Uh, he I mean he had a close loss against Auburn, but Nevada. Big win, 77 points on the road uh, at home, and Montana again, uh, 35 points on the uh, at home as well, putting up big points. But the defense, the defense is when I talk about Oregon, I never talk about defense. Uh, they've allowed a total, a grand total of nine points in the last two games. Albeit it's Nevada, it's Montana, but even against Auburn, they only they allowed 27 points, and those points didn't come until the late into that game when both teams were going back and forth. So I expect a, a pretty decent game. This, with all that being said, you may see a bit of a, a defensive game from both teams. Uh, it's a Pac-12 matchup, and it's going to be huge. All right. How about Oklahoma State, undefeated Oklahoma State, versus number 12, Texas? Uh, Sam Ellinger at Texas, the quarterback from Texas, he said, you know, we're back. Texas is back, uh, back when they played Georgia in the bowl game. And I said, those are going to be some huge expectations. I'm not ready to give that to him, uh, but he's played well so far, 955 yards, 11 touchdowns, no picks. Pretty good job. It's the Big 12. You're going to put up big numbers, gaudy, gaudy numbers. Uh, for Texas is, is putting up big numbers for 497 yards a game. Uh, no, no real competition yet. LSU uh, got stuck in the middle of those guys. They ravaged that secondary. Uh, you know, they called Texas DBU, but I didn't see DBU. I saw a team that just got destroyed. Uh, but again, it's a, Texas is going to be in a ton of shootouts. Uh, this one's gonna, not going to be any different. Oklahoma State uh, also has Spencer Sanders as quarterback, the freshman, seven touchdowns to one pick. Can you believe it? Now, nowadays we're talking freshmen putting up big numbers like this, seven touchdowns, no inter- only one interception. Uh, you'll see a shootout out of this one. Both neither team can stop anybody. Uh, whoever has the last possession will more than likely win this game. All right, and. Last, but certainly not least, number seven, Notre Dame coming in at 2-0 and versus the number three Georgia Bulldogs at 3-0. This one I can't wait for. Uh, Jake Fromm, quarterback at Georgia, has he's – the, he's the guy that seems to be left out. He's the safe pick. He's the guy that, you know – He's just chugging along. He's doing his job. He's making the throws. He's just not – he's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not Tua. He's not Justin Herbert. But he's a really good quarterback. He's solid. He's a he's the typical Georgia quarterback. Um, that's my guy. That's your QB1 guy. Yeah, I know, man. It's, mm-hmm. It seems like it's been forever since that since the, that show when he when he came on there. And I was like, man, he's, he might be a pretty good one. Uh, but he he has about 600 yards, five touchdowns. Georgia has really ran through uh, its last couple opponents, whether it was Vanderbilt, where they just completely jumped all over those guys, Murray State and Arkansas State. Uh, those, I mean, they in typical Georgia fashion, uh, they're a suffocating defense. They have a bevy of running backs that, uh, whether it's J- whether it's J- uh, James Cook, the brother of Dalvin Cook, uh, Harriman. 
DeAndre Swift. I mean, they have running backs for days. Uh, George Pickens, the freshman receiver, he has nine catches for 162 yards and a touchdown leading this, his team. Uh, this this game is going to be very, very interesting because Notre Dame quarterback uh, Ian Book looks very solid so far, but I, I just I have an issue with the fact that they can't run the ball well. Uh, Ian Book should not be leading your team in passing and rushing. Uh, and that's a very meager rush, leading your team in rushing, 127 yards in three games. Uh, I'm sorry, two games, one against Louisville and one against uh, New Mexico, in which they both, they've dominated both games. The defense for Notre Dame has been suffocating. Uh, but this is going to be an interesting one. Kirby Smart, this is where you see that he, he might unload a couple of those proverbial bullets out of the chamber and, and really show a little bit because now he has a real opponent to go up against. All right, guys, you heard it here. Um, Fred gave you analysis on some of the bigger games of the week. If you were on the fence with any of your picks, hey, I hope you were listening. Uh, Make those picks because you got to beat Fred to get on our show. Uh, Fred, real quick before we leave, let everybody know where you'll be this Saturday uh, while all the action is going down and how they can get online and talk some trash to you. You can catch me on Twitter, Fred Purdue, CFB. Uh, I'll be talking a lot of, maybe a lot, a lot of cash junk. Uh, my Miami Hurricanes aren't really playing anybody, uh, so you'll see me talking a lot of uh, group of. I'm sorry, of Power Five schools here. Uh, this week is going to be very interesting because of the fact that you're going to have so many big matchups that are, and we're getting into some of these conference games. I mean, we didn't even get a chance to talk about Tennessee and Florida or uh, Michigan State and and Northwestern. So there's going to be a lot of big games that will uh, help move along this whole conference play thing. So very interesting to see, and we'll definitely uh, we'll have you covered. All right. Like you said, we will have you covered now and throughout the rest of the season. So make sure you go to warroomsports.com, click on that, War Room Sports Podcast Network tab, and on the right-hand menu, click on Quick Slants. That'll get you this episode and all of our archive episodes of our college football program. Um, If you're an NFL fan, you can catch Fred and I on Cover 2 with McMillan and Purdue. Same way, warroomsports.com. And, of course, every Thursday at 6 p.m., you can catch Fred live on the War Room program, uh, giving us a quick tidbit of college football information um, on that show as well. So Fred's everywhere. War Room Sports, we're everywhere. Make sure you check out everything we're doing at the hub, warroomsports.com. And for my partner, Fred Perdue, I'm Devin McMillan. This has been another episode of Quick Slants, the college football podcast. Like we always tell you guys, don't accept mediocrity. Be steadfast in the war against ignorance. And we'll see you chumps on top. As long as you can make it to the top with us, we'll be there. (laughs) War Room Sports, www.warroomsports.com. What? Ain't no more to it. Boop, 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 boop,